What's up? What's up? Let's give the Lord a big hand. Can we all stand up? Can we all stand up? How's everybody doing today? Very good. I want to say hello to our campuses, East County, Pastor Ricky. Everyone say Pastor Ricky. North County, uh, actually going to be San Marcos, Pastor Jason. San Isidro, Pastor Travis. City Heights. Pastor Micah. <laughs> and Point Loma, Pastor Marcus, who's sick. Let's give all a big hand. God bless y'all. God bless you. We also want to give a special shout out to all our uh, friends in Juvenile Hall and Donovan State Prison who are watching. God bless y'all. We love y'all. God bless y'all. Amen. Um, before we pray, I want to talk about the election. Ooh. <laughs> People have been asking me, don't, don't, go, don't go there. No, I'm going there. Okay. Um, tomorrow, I think, is the last day for us to register in California, so make sure you register and vote. And some of you may think, well, how, you know, how do you, what do we do? Do you vote for the lesser of two evils? Be careful. It's hard to determine whose sin is worse in anybody. That's an option. Or you can vote what your family and your, your people have always voted. And I was talking to the other guy. He says, I've never voted for a candidate. I vote for what they represent. And so what I will tell you as the pastor of the church, and by the way, we don't have an official at all opinion about do this or do that, other than pray and learn and know what the parties represent and then say, Lord, which one of these parties are consistent with what my convictions are to the kingdom of God? Simple. Now, it's not simple, but that, that's it. If you're going to try to say, well, he said this or she said this and she, listen, you're, you, you, that's a, a, you're trying to say which one's sin is wrong. I, in my, <laughs> I believe that God is judging our country. And I believe that hard times are coming. That's not rocket science, especially for the church. The church is being pushed down on the totem pole as far as rights and priority. And the church will be attacked by the government continually. What we need to do is be very committed to Jesus Christ because it's going to be much harder to be a Christian and a pastor in the coming years. Neither one of the parties and neither one of the candidates are going to bring us to heaven and bring the kingdom of God. That's not going to happen. You need to have your faith in Jesus. And so I would challenge you, never separate your faith in God from your vote. Now, are either one of them perfect, individuals or parties? Nowhere close. Nowhere close. But you have to be always consistent with your convictions to God. And I will tell you this last thing, and this may be the hardest thing for you to do, but it will test and reveal what's in your heart. You need to pray for both those people. Don't pray, dear God, strike them dead. <laughs> I know some of y'all, how many of y'all are thinking that? I just, be, be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pray for I'm going to pray the vengeance of God. Now, you, you, you can pray that. I mean, I guess you can. You, you know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. But here's what you want to pray. You want to say, Lord, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump need God. The Republican Party and the Democratic Party need God. You, are not a, you can be Christian and be in both parties. If, if you think, well, how can a Christian be over there? Shut your mouth. That's just ridiculous. Okay. But you need to pray for those parties. You need to pray for them that, they, that God visit them in a 
powerful way. Because they are going to make decisions that are going to affect us, but they're not going to make decisions that affect your eternity. They're not going to make your decisions that affect your salvation unless you let it. But you pray that they seek and, they, and that God visit them in a powerful way and gets in their face. That's what we need to pray for. Lord, we pray for our country. Our country has not only turned its back on you, but they are mocking you. It is mocking you, cursing you, offending you. And I pray that we as your children would be faithful to you. Not only in our vote, but Lord, in how we live and how we talk and how we represent Jesus, even when we talk about things that we don't like. People say, well, my one vote doesn't count. It counts to you and your conviction and you expressing your conviction no matter what everybody else around you says. But Lord, I pray in the end we can stand before you and you would say to us as individuals, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, I love you no matter who you vote for. Ah. <laughs> I, had one, I had somebody t- uh, tweet me, text me, whatever, uh, somewhere and says, tell us who to vote for. Absolutely not. That's, I ain't getting into that. Let's see your Bibles on three. If you are a visitor, what we do is we lift our Bibles up and then we say word, one, two, three. Say word. word. One more time. Say word. word. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. When I was um, 10 years old, I started playing football, and I have two brothers, one who is 18 months younger than me, another one who's five years younger than me. We all played uh, football, Pop Warner football in the same uh, league, and I think our seasons were 10 games or so, and to me, one of the most exciting parts of the season was the banquet at the end of the year because you got to get dressed up and, and all the teams from all the levels, from 8-year-old, 9-year-old, 10-year-olds, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, 13-year-olds, all of them came with their parents and they had awards and you would get awards. And they had a most valuable player trophy, a most improved player trophy, defensive player of the year, all that kind of stuff. And you got these trophies. And one day, um, uh, we were late to the banquet I don't know why we were late, but it was uh, seven of us, five, my, parent, my two parents and five kids, and they ended up putting us at a table. They made a table for us right next to the stage. It was pretty cool. And that day, I won uh, the Most Valuable Player trophy. My brother won the Most Valuable Player, and my father won the raffle. <laughs> it was rigged. It was rigged. But anyway, so we were sitting up there with all these big trophies on the table, and, and then they had a couple other trophies, but that was it. Today, they have what they call participation trophies. Now, we didn't have participation trophies. We had you got it done trophy. Now, you might have got a pat on the back. You maybe got a little patch, but you didn't get a participation trophy. In the kingdom of God, there are no participation trophies. And some people think, I'm just going to show up and God should bless me. I'm going to pray just a little token prayer every day and God should bless me. I'm just going to give a little bit of money. I don't know, a tiny thing, but, you know, here's, here's something, God, but yet you should bless me. 
And when we live in an age, you know, the, the gospel is the gospel of grace. So God should just bless me because. And I'm going to tell you, there's no participation trophy. You're not going to get everything you can get from the kingdom unless you own your faith. You have to take ownership. Everyone say ownership. The series I'm going to preach over the next uh, six weeks is called All In Ownership. That you are all in. God wants you to be all in. When he died on the cross, he was all in. Can you imagine if he said when they were beating him, I don't know, I ain't, hey man, <laughs> those people ain't worth it. Most of them are going to curse me anyway. Most of them are going to misuse my name and misuse my church and misuse my reputation anyway. So why am I going to go through all it? He says, I'm all in. Matthew 7.21 says, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of God. Not everybody who says, Lord, I prophesied in your name, I preached in your name, I built big churches in your name, I did ministry in your name, I gave sacrificially in your name. He's going to say, I never knew you. you. You were deceived the whole time. It was all about you. What I'm going to talk to you over the next few weeks is about being all in and very specific topics. One, being all in in your evangelism, you're sharing your faith. Now, there's a difference between being an evangelist, which is I am, which, which means I am consumed with it. And, and, and God being gifted at something means it happens at a high frequency. There's a difference between being that and just you as a Christian having a responsibility to be able to share the reason for the hope that's in you. We all have that responsibility. You can never ever say with legitimacy, biblical accuracy, well, I'm not an evangelist, so I don't share my faith. That's inaccurate. You all have a responsibility. Take ownership of that. Take ownership of the people in your life right now, your neighbor, your family, who if they die today would go to hell. That you know. And you're waiting for someone else to talk. No, no, you take ownership. I did a memorial service yesterday. A police officer who uh, recently uh, passed of cancer. And 17 people got saved. <laughs> That's my deal. I'm sharing my faith. Next week, we're going to talk about sharing your faith, and we're going to give you a very easy tool to share your faith with anybody you know. You should bring them to church, but you should feel the burden of responsibility. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't only die so you could be saved. He died so you could share it with somebody else. Can I get an amen? Take ownership of your community. We have groups, small groups in this church, hundreds of them. Is this the only time you come and hear about the word of God? You're not going to grow like you can just come in here. I'm going to say this really slow. You will not grow in your faith at an adequate rate just coming to church, especially if you only come to church once or twice a month. That's cultural Christian. That's not the Bible. That's not the Bible. That's not what Jesus wants. He wants us to be all in. When we're worshiping God, that we're not standing there being entertained. People say, well, it's entertainment. It's only entertainment if you're watching. But if you say, Lord, I am worshiping you, you could do that in your car by yourself. And when you're here, same thing. Take ownership of that. We have life class every week. We have small groups all over. And you say, well, they didn't call me back. Call again. Well, they didn't email me back. Email again. Start a small group. Take ownership, responsibility of that part of your life. Generosity. Hey, we had an all-in campaign last year. It was two years. People pledged all this money. Only 3,500 people pledged. So over 10,000 people didn't pledge. Right. People don't tithe. Yes, we have financial uh, uh, tensions. 
Serious people have lost their job because of those financial tensions. Take ownership. Do you give? You get, you get. Do you give? Think about it. This is what I make. Am I really being generous? If you're not, take ownership of that. Oh, but I want God to bless me. Let me tell you something. When the Bible says the gospel is the gospel of grace, it doesn't mean you get to do anything and expect all the blessings of God. In other words, the more you pray and the more diligent you pray, the more miracles happen. There's a direct correlation. There's a direct correlation between how many people you pray for and how many people will get saved. There's a direct correlation between how many people you pray for and how many people will get healed. Yeah, healed. Matter of fact, if you, don't, if you pray for nobody to get healed, I guarantee you no one will get healed. But if you pray for a bunch of people to get healed, I guarantee you something's going to happen. And in the least, in your faith. I guarantee you, if you give, you will be blessed in ways you never imagined. But if you just sit there and say, uh, that's someone else's responsibility. God says, you don't get a participation trophy for that. We're talking about giving, we're talking about serving. We have Toys for Joy coming up. We need thousands of volunteers. We have ministries all over San Diego. And this series is designed to get you to take ownership. Everyone say ownership. Ownership. It's mine. Then when you get up in the morning... You say, I am taking responsibility for my relationship with God. I'm not going to blame anybody else. It's on me. Amen? Okay, two points. I want you to fill these in and then we'll read the, read the scripture. Two points. Number one, I want you to, today's service, sermon is called Run to Win. Today's sermon is called Run to Win. Point number one, run with winning in mind. We'll talk about that later. I want you to run with winning in mind. And number two, I want you to run to obtain an eternal, not temporary, reward. Run to win, winning in mind, and run to, this is a temporary reward. See this little thing? This is, this is what we put, participation trophy. Actually, this is, this, is, this, is not a, this is a really good trophy right here. This is garbage compared to what God has for you. But yet you sell your soul for this. God said, what did I want to say, don't, don't, run, don't, don't run for this. Doesn't mean you don't try to get it. But put your passion in running for the, the crown that Jesus wants to give you. Let's read this, this passage 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. It says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Run that you may win. Verse 25. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate or disciplined in all things, and they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus, I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body, bringing it into subjection. Everybody say discipline. Say subjection. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I should myself be disqualified. When Paul was writing this, he was referring to the Isthmus Games, which is similar to the Olympics at that time. 
and they would have like a, they would have all these activities and all these events, wrestling. They had something like a like a uh, mixed martial arts events where you can wrestle and fight, and there were no rules. Do whatever you want. They had chariot races. They had f- boxing, and they had obviously track and field events. And these athletes would discipline their body, and they would have to sign an oath that they were going to spend a certain amount of time eating certain kind of food, training certain hours, so when they came into the games, they had proven that they have given their best. Number one in your notes, run with winning in mind. When I say run, it means to pursue. It means to fight. It means to press on. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, we all, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us and let us run. Everyone say run. With endurance the race that is set before us. Looking onto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Turn to Philippians. Before, there's a few books before, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Philippians 3, verse 12, it says, Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Everyone say press on. Everyone say press on. That I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold for me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Everybody say, I am not there yet. Uh, You are not there yet. How many of you have seen something lacking in somebody else in your life recently? Raise your hand real high. Real. Okay, let's try this one more time. How many of you have seen something saying, man, I'm, they just need to do this better. They need to do that better. I'm, I'm, they're not that. You know what Paul says? I'm not there yet. Everybody say, I'm not there yet. Verse 20, 13 I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press. Everyone say press. I press. Everyone say press. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ. Press, press, press. Ownership, ownership, ownership. Come to church on time. Bring your Bible. Don't complain when someone's in your seat, especially because you came late. (laughs) Someone's in your parking spot. The press. Memorize scripture. Talk about Jesus. Share your faith. Pray for people more than five minutes. Pray to the Lord for more than five minutes a day. Get up early. Get in. When I I go and pray in my office, most of of my prayer time I spend in Spanish. Most of my Spanish that I get to talk to is God. He doesn't talk back in Spanish. I don't know why. But when I get to the door of my office, before I even go in, I start praying in Spanish that God would prepare the office. Lord, I want to walk into your presence. So I stand at the door and look at my office and say, fill the room with your presence. And this, so I said, so press. I said, I got, I need you. Every day. 
You need to press. If I said today, <laughs> if I said to you today, everyone say if. Let's say it five times. Say if, 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 five times. I told you I thought Hillary Clinton was a woman of character and I was going to vote for her. A lot of y'all would be mad and never come back to church. <laughs> Say amen if you agree with some of that for some people. Okay. Say if. Five times. If I said I thought Donald Trump was a man of God. And I was going to vote for him because I just believed in his character. A bunch of y'all would say, that's crazy. He's out of his mind. Can I get an amen? Okay. Why? There are some of y'all that are so, by the way, I get, I get those reasons why. There are some of y'all who are more passionate about your politics than you are Jesus. You will fight and argue, get mad. You can't even have conversations with people who don't agree with you. You get so angry. But yet when someone talks about God and says God's name in vain, you go, huh, nothing. You've idolized politics. Like it's going to do something for you or even can do something for you that God can't do for you. God says, I want you all in for me, not for that. Doesn't mean you don't vote. Vote. Do all, do all what you got to do. But I want you more passionate than me. I was drinking coffee the other day in someone's house. Amen. Amen. I was drinking coffee. I was drinking coffee someone day at the other's house, and this person, uh, uh, one of our pastor's wives, she didn't, she didn't know I drank coffee. And she says, you... I thought you didn't drink coffee because you always talk against coffee. I said, no, I love coffee. I drink teacap, but I don't know what it matter. I'm already there. <laughs> but some people get up in the morning, and if they don't get their caffeine injection, they can't make it. In other words, I need my caffeine. I don't necessarily need God. I need my caffeine. And if I have to skip one, I'm going to skip God. I'm going to skip my prayer time. I'm going to skip my intimate connection with God over my caffeine. That's a problem. That's what I'm talking about. That's called idolatry. And so what he's saying here is run so you win. Lord, I am, when, when I, every day you go to bed, when you lay your head on the pillow, either God or the devil says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't think God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, just because you came to the rock once a month. He's going to be like, you went to the rock, I never saw you. I was there. I had pictures. He said, no, no, no. Your body was there, but your heart was somewhere else. You were thinking about the football game that you were going to watch that day the whole time the preacher was preaching, the whole time worship. You were thinking about the game, the college playoffs, and you weren't thinking about me. You weren't worshiping me. He said, I want all of you. Run so you win. And number two, in your notes, run so you receive an eternal, not temporary crown. When the athletes won their race in the Isthmus Games, they got a crown. And the crown was um, plants. It was like a little reef of plants. And it would, you know, plants die. You get this thing put around your head, little, little pine needles or uh, fig leaves or whatever, and they put it around your head and they stood there. And you might even see a lot of statues of the Greek gods or, or the Greek uh, uh, athletes, and they'll have this wreath around the head and it's plants. That stuff faded. 
They trained and trained. Matter of fact, I'm going to read this to you about Olympic athletes. This is amazing to me. I trained. In my mind, when, when I played, I took pride in how much I trained and how in shape I was. Then I met an Olympic athlete. <laughs> and I said, oh, snap. <laughs> then I understood commitment. And for, for my sport, I was in really good shape, but then I met an Olympic athlete. The average Olympic athlete, they, they surveyed 3,000 athletes. 10,000 hours, that's six hours a day for 12 months for four years. One canoeist lift an equivalent of six blue whales in weights per month. Another swimmer ran, swam 1,860 miles a year in their training. There's physical training. Then there is rest, massage, and sleep. There's one athlete, eight to nine hours a day, sleep, and a nap. Commitment. Then there's diet. They have to eat. <laughs> there is no junk food in the diet. It's very disciplined calorie intake and quality of calorie intake. A lot of y'all are running on the treadmill. You're trying to lose weight, and you're running, and you're not. You're like, Why am I putting all this effort in? Why? Because you're only doing one thing that to lose weight versus the five that really require it. One of them is your diet. You can't run, and especially run like this, and eat bonbons and expect to lose weight. <laughs> they had the physical aspect. They had the mental aspect. They had the rest aspect. They had the diet aspect. They had the emotional aspect. And, and they also had money sacrifice. 50% of the top 10 track athletes, 50% of the top 10, five of them, $15,000 a year. In income. You know what they said? My whole life. I, one of the reasons I love the Olympics, I, I cry every Olympics. And I cry two times when I see the Americans whoop everybody else. Because I love to see USA whoop everybody else. And I love how we got all kinds of people. You know, we got black, white, Hispanic, Asian, and mixed people just, and all together, working together to whoop everybody else. But I also cry when I hear the stories of sacrifice. And this one little girl from China, she was probably about 4'2", a little um, gymnast, and her family gave up everything just so she can train. All her money, they worked, sold her house, and gave up everything just so she can get to this one moment and she fell off the bar. Years and years to get this. And here's what God says to you. When you see that, I want that. I don't want your token religion. I don't want you to put something in a plate and think you're fooling me. I don't want this to think I'm impressed because I'm not. I deserve all of you. And I don't mean all of you, all of you, all of you. That's what I want. My son died. 
There's nothing else he could have done. And you say, Lord, I want the crown you to give me. What is that crown? I'm going to give you a couple crowns. One, that, that you are going to get a crown that you're going to lay at Jesus' feet. If you look at Revelation, matter of fact, let me read these, two, these verses to you. Look at, look, just look at Revelation. Let's put Revelation on the screen. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. We'll just use that right now. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. It says, do not fear, the last book of the Bible, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until the death and I will give you the crown of life. Every single day when you lay your head on the pillow, either the devil or God says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. The devil's going to say, man, you are so good. You went to church. You actually lifted your hands. You fooled all of them. You said, Jesus, when that dude said, praise the Lord. Matter of fact, next week, I'm going to have you say, who's the man yourself? And you're really going to fool them. And you put your hand in the thing with the envelope and there was nothing in it. That was great, man. I love that. So great job of just doing the minimum. And you going home feeling like, hmm. And God says, or there's going to be some of you, God says, you know what? You did a great job today because you did what I said. Just trusted me. You walked by faith. You didn't care about what people thought. You didn't care about what was the ramifications of what I asked you to do. You just trusted me. Great, that's all I want you to do. That's it. You don't have to give the most money. You don't have to serve the most. All you have to do is just trust me. Great job. Every day. Every moment of every day, but especially when you, when you go to you put your head on your pillow, think about your day. And think who's standing next to your bed going, Great job. And then when you die, the same thing's going to happen. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over little, and now I'm going to trust you much. You were faithful over little. You are 50, 60, 70, 80, 12 years of life on earth. You were faithful with. Now I'm going to trust you with crowns in heaven. By the way, the crowns you get in heaven, and you will get rewards in heaven for your faithfulness. You know what you use it for? You use it for to worship God with. Because people think, well, if I, if, I, if I do all this stuff, I'm going to get rewards. But the rewards aren't for you, homie. The rewards are for God because you have an earthly mentality. Your earthly mentality is, I'm trying to get paid. In heaven, it's I'm trying to worship. That's the difference. That's the difference. In earth, the, the ruling principle on earth is control. The ruling principle on earth is me. The ruling principle on earth is peace. And so when God rewards you in heaven, what you do on earth, it's not like you are going, you're going to use that to worship your father. Lord, give me bling so I can worship the father. So I can reflect. So when, when the glory of God is shining onto you in heaven, you can reflect it back. Can you imagine if your body was covered with diamonds and when the glory, and, and uh, by the way, God is clothed in light. When that light shines on you, boom! It's like having a diamond ring on. You're the finger inside the ring. You don't see it. It's all going that way. That's, that's the reward. 
So in a minute, we're going to pray. Oh, here we go. Every one of y'all have something you've been holding back. In other words, you're not owning it. God doesn't own you. You're holding back. There are some of you who have never given your life to Jesus Christ. God said, you know what? That is 100% on you because you're getting ready to hear the gospel right now. And you've heard it. If you've been here before, you've heard it. And you've been kind of like the thief on the cross. Well, Jesus, if you do this in my life, I'll give my life. If you, God's like, I don't need to do anything more for you. He's died on the cross. He rose from the dead. Jesus died on the cross. And guess what? They put on him a crown of thorns that was meant for you and me. And then he rose from the dead. And he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Here's your opportunity to say, Lord, I am taking ownership of my salvation. And I am going to make a decision today to give my life to Jesus Christ. That's some of y'all. Then there are some of y'all out there. You're in this space in your faith that's eh. It's routine. And if you were to stack up your faith to this Olympic athlete training schedule, say, you know what? I don't read every day. I don't pray every day. And when I do pray, it's, eh, no one's pouring into my life. I'm not in a small group. I haven't been in a life class. I just kind of go every now and then. That's not owning it. That's not owning it. You're just banking that you can kind of live life your way and have the blessings of God. God says, eh, I, I, I fear the number of people who are going to stand before God and say, God, look at all these good things I did. And he's going to say, I, I never had your heart. I wonder how many of you have dated somebody. They were good looking. They were sweet. They were kind. And everything was just, but there was something missing. And you even broke up and said, I don't know what it is. They, you didn't have their heart. Because if you had their heart, they would have been on you like this. <laughs> you would have known it. Can I get an amen? Ladies, y'all know what I'm talking about? Fellas, we don't, guys, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are some of you like that with God. You're just going through the motions and God says, come here. I want all of you. I want all of this. So in a minute we're going to pray. And for all of you who need to accept Christ your Savior, we're going to give you that opportunity. And then there's some of you saying, Lord, I want to be all in. I just want to take it to the next level, whatever that is. I'm not going to go through the motions. I'm going to be here. By the way, come every week. Come on time. Bring your Bible. Let's go. Let's go. We do this 52 times a year. 52 weeks a year. We're here. Let's all bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are all in for us. In all our campuses, if you you know God is speaking to you. Spirit of God, I pray you would speak to them. You know who you are. It's time for you to take responsibility for you. When you stand before God, you will stand alone. And he will ask you about you and the decisions you made. If you would like to commit your life to Jesus, 
either for the first time or you are that person who's just been going through the motions and you want to take full responsibility and take your commitment to another level, I want you to pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, you are worthy of all that I have. I am taking responsibility for my relationship with you. I surrender my life to you. The distractions in my life, the idols in my life, the laziness in my life. Jesus, fill me with the power of God, the spirit of God. I surrender everything that's not pleasing in your sight. I surrender my heart, my passion. Thank you. Thank you. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer in any campus, I'm going to ask you to stand. And by standing, you are publicly declaring I'm all in with Jesus. I'm all in with Jesus. I'm going to run the race to win a crown that will never fade. I'm going to run so I obtain it. I'm not just going to survive. I'm not just going to occupy. I'm going to pursue and I'm going to press on. So if you prayed that prayer and that's your heart, don't worry about who's to the left. Don't worry about who's to the right. Between you and God, I'm going to ask you to stand. On the count of three, in all our campuses, in the prison, in juvenile hall, you're taking ownership. On the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, one, two, three, just stand to your feet. God bless you. 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 Good. God bless you. Good. We see you in the balcony as well. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.